Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland in Public Square. I like how the fire engine chipped in there. I'm Rick Jackson, senior host and producer at IdeaStream. My pleasure to introduce today's forum. It's the third, of course, in this year's For the Love of Cleveland series. And as in every program, we have an ambulance come through just for the audio effects. For the last few weeks, everybody's been talking, of course, about the Cuyahoga River, and with good reason. 50 years ago, it burned. Just a little fire. We know the history. But that fire and the national attention paid to Cleveland became catalyst for the modern environmental movement, including creation of both the EPA and the Clean Water Act. So tell all your friends around the country, that's our fault. Today, 50 years later, the Cuyahoga River, healthy and vibrant. I was on it just Sunday. It is great to see. However, Cleveland and the nation are now facing new challenges brought on by climate change. This summer, we'll be discussing climate change from the ground up through the lens of the four natural elements, water, air, earth, and fire. And this week is air. According to a recent report from the American Lung Association, Cuyahoga County is the ninth most polluted area in the country for annual particle pollution. We received an F rating for the number of ozone days. This is not a positive report. It does, though, show improvement. The amount of air pollution that Cleveland's been experiencing has been steadily declining. However, according to the National Climate Assessment, climate change will only exacerbate current air pollution issues, including increasing ground-level ozone and or particulate matter and prolonging allergen and pollen seasons. So what are the specific threats, threats to Cleveland's air? What do these risks mean for the most vulnerable to air pollution, including our elderly, our children, and low-income communities? And what's being done to help them? What's being done to combat these problems? We have plenty to talk about this hour. We're going to chat for a bit here. And then, of course, as always with the City Club, we'll open it up to your questions. So let me introduce the panel here as we get started. Joining me on stage, Ivanka Hall, the Executive Director for the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition. Say hello. Hello. Diane Howard is community activist and a resident of Ohio City. Welcome. Hello. Joe McDonald is Manager of Environmental Planning at NOACA. Hey, Joe. Great to be here. Thank you. And Christina Yoke is the Chief of Air Pollution Outreach for the Cleveland Department of Mental Health. Good that's, afternoon. Thank you. That's Cleveland Department of Public Health. Oh, Public Health. What did I say? Mental Health. That's because that's the story I'm working on for Sunday's program. Yes, Sorry. Thank you, sir. <laughs> With that, let's go ahead and get started. And Christine, I'll give you the first question. And we're talking about air, and we've got great gusts of wind coming up here. Two hours ago, I checked it. Two hours ago, the air quality, particulates, ozone level for Cleveland, all listed as good. The forecast for today was moderate. But those daily charts and the assessments we have are just a 24-hour snapshot. And of course, as we said, the Lung Association calls us out as being among the top 10 bad air regions. So tell me about the threats we face as a region overall. Just how polluted is Northeast Ohio's air? Okay, so I'll get started first by talking a little bit about that American Lung Association annual report, annual report that they do. Um, so the two pollutants that they monitor, as Rick mentioned, are particulate matter and ozone. Um, and Unfortunately, with that ALA report, we didn't do so well. But the positive thing is with it is that over the 20 years or so that that report has been um, being produced, we have seen significant decreases. So the annual particulate matter as well as the eight-hour averages um, have been decreasing over the past 20 years that the report has been done. Um, so if I'm remembering correctly, it was around 30 instances in the early 2000s when they were reporting, down to about three instances. So that is a positive report that we're getting better. And there are similar numbers as it relates to ozone. So if you think about this in general terms, what are the threats that we're facing? Well, particulate matter and ozone 
they can do some pretty nasty things to your lungs. If you have any type of respiratory conditions, um, asthma, COPD, um, or any other of those chronic illnesses, when we have poor air quality days, those are gonna make things much harder for you. It's gonna be a lot harder for you to breathe. It's gonna be a lot harder for you to do normal daily activities. Um, so particulate matter and ozone, they do pose a risk, um, but as we are seeing is that the number of exceedance days are decreasing. There is a chart that you can look up that shows just how bad things are. I called today moderate and conditions currently good. The levels are good, moderate, unhealthy for sensitive groups, unhealthy, very unhealthy, and hazardous. And we use those terms, and some of them are almost interchangeable when you get to the, the edge of the numbers. But for a lot of people, terminology matters, Christina. Moderate's actually dangerous for some because of specific health conditions. And, and that is correct. And so like the people that I just mentioned, those that have increased respiratory illnesses, things like asthma, things like COPD or lung cancer, any of those, um, when there is a moderate air quality day, you really do need to monitor your activity because it can worsen those illnesses that you're facing. Diane, you hear all of this supposed good news, but you tell us a different story about what you see and what you breathe. Well, I live in CMHA. I am an activist for my community. I keeps them up to date, like for climate change, for air pollution. We need air to believe, to breathe. So I go out, like a, to the state house, talk to the state legislators, um, um, state reps, state senators on air quality. And I thank Ohio City, especially Whitley Long, standing up with me, helped me to get it out to the public, what's going on in public housing, especially at Lakeview Terrence. We do have children that has never had asthma, but they have asthma. We do have seniors and adults are on COPD. When the air, when the, from the gravel is a billionaire factory with these, I call pyramids, with gravel, sand that's been uh, mountains of sand that goes to the edge water or all the beaches here in Cleveland. Then on the back of it, you got the Gargoyle Salt Company mine. Then behind the Gargoyle Salt mine, you have a pile of dirt. I guess that's what they plant uh, flowers with, say, down here. But all this, when the wind blows, it blows into our units, even if you don't have family units, we don't have air conditionings, we have fans. But you can have the windows down and that from the dust of the mountains of gravel and sand comes seeps through our windows. Mm -hmm. It blows all over our kids' um, sliding boards. And the maintenance guys of CMAJ don't wipe them down. That's how they come very ill. Then we got a lot of residents there has COPD. From this air, we can't breathe. I have woke up and I was choking, but it came from all this air dust that we're breathing in public housing. We'll, we'll get it, to some of the specifics. That, that's good, uh, yes. good layout for us. Want to get to everybody here to get started. Um, Joe, it's it's Cleveland, it is CMHA housing, it's all over the city, but it's not just Cleveland. Interestingly, the EPA designated Cuyahoga and Lorain counties as an attainment area, which is a good thing, yet the Lung Association, again, give us that F grade. 
gives us a B grade for 24-hour particulate pollution. Define that for us. How do we have two such different standards, and how do we get there? Well, the is this yeah okay. So uh, when we t when we talk about attainment, we're really talking about attainment of the national ambient air quality standards, and those are concentrations of pollutants over specified time periods that are established by the United States Environmental Protection Agency. And recently, uh, even though we continue to experience issues with air pollution, we have to break it down by pollutant. Now, we currently have been moved out of non-attainment into maintenance for fine particulate matter according to the standard for the 24-hour concentration, which is 35 micrograms per cubic meter. Uh, we are still in non-attainment for ground-level ozone. And the reason it's not localized is because these pollutants are carried by the prevailing winds out of the southwest. So they cover a large part of the region. In fact, some of the highest concentrations of air pollutants can be found east of Cleveland and northeast of Cleveland because of the southwest prevailing winds. So the contributions from... Uh, industry and increasingly transportation, mobile emissions, are actually carried from the Cleveland and Acre metropolitan areas northeast into Lake County and Geauga County. So that's one of the challenges we have. It's, it's not that these pollutants stay in one place. They're often generated in one location and they're transported into other locations. You thought I was kidding about the ambulance, didn't you? I think I'm eight for nine in doing these here and getting an ambulance. Um, Joe, also, people would say, why is the transportation agency so involved in this? What's NOACA's role here? So NOACA has a strong vision to improve quality of life throughout the region and uh, preserve our existing assets and, and maintain a sustainable multimodal transportation system. NOACA's interest is providing transportation choice because the reality is that increasingly, how you choose to travel across the entire Northeast Ohio region affects the contribution that each person makes, that you make, to air quality in our region. If you choose to drive, you are contributing a certain level of emissions that contribute to air pollution in Northeast Ohio, as opposed to if you choose to walk or to bike. And so NOACA is keenly interested in not only encouraging people to consider transportation choice and to inform people about how their choices impact air quality, but also to fund projects. And, the, and our board has funded over $100 million of projects in the last five years through the Transportation Livable Communities Initiative and the Congestion Mitigation to Improve Air Quality Program uh, that encourage people to not only live closer to work or live closer to transit options, but to have easier access to bike through paths, easier and safer ways to walk uh, on using crosswalks and improved sidewalks, and also to improve transit waiting environments and to replace some of the dirtier transit vehicles with compressed natural gas vehicles. Thank you. Ivanka, Diane did a nice job of laying out for us what's happening in one housing area. You would suggest that not all of us have the same advantages in what we inhale, dependent on where we live. So I'm Ivanka Hall, and I run the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition. And so the coalition was created to focus on disparities in education, employment, housing, and health in the African-American community by working to educate, advocate for, and empower the community. And so when we talk about air quality, when we talk about the things that happen to the African-American community in particular um, in Cleveland and in Cuyahoga County, we have to look at chronic illnesses and how air quality impacts quality, um, chronic illnesses, autoimmune disease disorders. Um, you may see more ambulances in the summertime when um, it's warm outside. 
because people are having different kind of issues that require them to seek medical attention. Um, the other thing is our carbon footprints are very important. So when we talk about removing um, bus transportation areas in um, inner cities and people have no way for transportation, then there's going to be a, a bigger carbon footprint because they're going to be seeking out rides and driving um, instead of catching the bus. Um, because they're so far away from the main city, the city epicenter, which is downtown, um, being able to ride for some is problematic, especially if you are already experiencing some kind of health issues to go along with it. So the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition works to make sure that those communities, the communities that are most impacted um, by air quality issues are spoken up for, that they have a voice in all of this. Well, let's move into that area of how we make things better. How do we bridge the gap, Ivanka, between political, economic, and social viewpoints? I think part of it is listening to what people's needs are. A lot of times what happens is we have these public forums. We, we have public forums or local conversations or community conversations. The communities come in, they offer their input on things that would um, help to make their lives a lot better. Um, we take everything down in notepads, we leave out, and they never hear from us again. Um, and then so what happens is we never have listened to what they've said. So what communities and members have been saying over the years is that we need um, public transportation, bus stops, more bus stops that are centralized in the inner city areas. And what we've seen um, RTA and some of the other um, cities do is remove those from areas where people need it the most. So now they're saying, okay, well, instead of walking two minutes up the street, you need to be able to walk 30 minutes or to get 30 minutes up the road to be able to make that next connection on the bus. Um, and so I think that part of making sure that the community's voice is heard is actually hearing the community's voice and utilizing it to create the solutions, not yet you want, but the solutions that the community wants. So legislation is good, regulation is good, but awareness is better. Um, legislation, um, engagement, um, all of those things are important, but having legislation without the community's voice is garbage. Because if you create legislation and it's not what the community needs, then you've created a blanketed piece of paper um, that in effect is not going to change the conditions of the people that it seeks to serve. Hope some people later have some specific questions about that. That's a good area to go into. Um, Christina, weigh in here. How does the city bring pressure to bear? How can the city help those who are disaffected or having air disparity? So I think one of the big thing is the resources that we have available to us. Um, Yvonka was just talking about legislation. Um, the Cleveland Department of P Public Health Division of Air Quality, we are contracted with Ohio EPA to enforce federal, state, and state standards. We also have a City of Cleveland local air pollution control ordinance. Um, so in terms of holding us accountable and bringing us to bear, we need to hear from you. So hearing like Ms. Howard talking about the things that she does in terms of speaking to legislators, that shows what's important to the people. When we receive these types of concerns and we're utilizing the legislation that's available to us, what we're doing is we're going out, we're investigating very specific air quality concerns, and if a violation is noted, then we issue violations. Um, and at some point, depending on the severity of it, then it could be escalated to Ohio EPA. Um, so that is one thing. That's one of the tools that we have available to us um, in terms of there is also a local city of Cleveland air pollution control ordinance. So that's another layer that we have. These are the tools that we can use to, when there is a problem, um, try to address it. 
Diane, when you go out and you talk to these people and you issue complaints, what are you hearing? What's been the response? The good, the good response, they hear me, because each time I go to the state house and speak on air quality or in Columbus, someone does hear me pleading for help, not just for myself, but all of my community in CMHA, Lakeview Terrence. State Senator Skindo sent his um, intern out to investigate to see if I was telling the truth. NAACP came out to see if I was telling the truth because I have spoke, spoke at a lot of events. Um, I forget the church over on the west side for um, healthcare quality. Um, but it's a lot of them have heard me. State Senator Antonio, um, she heard me. A lot of state senators have heard me and our, our new elected state representative, um, Terrence, for District 10. So they hear me. So but they do come out and investigate. Um, Ohio City came out and I gave them a grand tour. So some things have did change because it takes a leader in each community to speak up for their whole community. You can tell the difference? Yes. And if you, a closed mouth don't get fed because you're trying to feed your family. So public housing, residents of Ohio City, it's my family. Someone has to take it. And to make a long story short, we had trucks coming down by our community center where children goes to school, I mean, goes to after school programs or lunch programs at Lakeview Terrence Community Center. The trucks used to come past the um, center where the children had to cross the street. But now they have the difference that a leader or by myself speaking out and asking my councilman to Carrie McCormick, could we have a town hall meeting? So we did that. We got, and other residents spoke out. But now they made a difference by speaking out and standing up and speaking out on your community about air pollution. Someone does hear, now there is um, flaps over the trucks where the dust don't blow off the trucks anymore. There is a, a water truck comes and water down where they come and pick up their um, dirt and gravel to go into the trucks. Mm -hmm. trucks. So it has been some changes, but it, we want to keep it to stay change. We mm -hmm. need clean air. Christina, is that the kind of thing the city responds to and says, okay, it's working here. Let's expand this kind of a program bit by bit, clean up the city? I think so. Um, I was at that public meeting that Ms. Howard referenced, and we do respond to every single complaint. So I don't want people to get me wrong. If you submit a complaint to our office, I'm going to give you that number. It's 216-664-7442. And I do have complaint hotline magnets that I can distribute. Um, at any rate, we do respond to every single air quality complaint that we receive. In the instance that Ms. Howard is re referencing, we did see a violation. We we're able to issue a notice. Now, what we can do is to continue with this um, in terms of added resources that we have is that we now have a team that's devoted to city of Cleveland, which is really just within the past year and a half. So we now have two inspectors that are devoted to city of Cleveland facilities and do not go through all of Cuyahoga County. And we also have health outreach and engagement specialists that can attend more public meetings that can be a part of the community, which is something that we didn't have about a year and a half ago. 
Joe McDonald, squeaky wheel syndrome. I'm, I'm assuming not everybody here lives in the city of Cleveland. Do communities need to stand forward and say to NOACA, say to the city, I'll go to Joe first, um, yeah, we need some help, and how do you respond? Uh, we definitely want to hear from different communities around the region about the help that they need, but we also are proactive at NOACA, and, um, and it's not just about engaging communities, it's also about engaging employers and, and really encouraging people to rethink uh, how they commute. Uh, we have an extremely high single occupancy vehicle rate in Northeast Ohio, 82%, higher than the national average of, or the national rate of 76%. So we are driving more alone as a region, all over the region, and even to different regions compared to the nation as a whole. Uh, through our program, uh, Commuter Choice Awards, and using our online platform, the Ohio Commute platform, we have specifically targeted employers to then encourage their employees to rethink uh, commuting patterns to provide facilities for people to ride bikes, to have showers and lockers available, uh, to also uh, participate in the Commuter Advantage Program with GCRTA so that they can partially or fully subsidize transit passes. And we want people to be more engaged in thinking about their commute by logging their trips online through Com Go Ohio Commute and to uh, participate in our challenges. Um, we're, we're, we want people to talk to us, but we also want to get out there and we want to help people understand that there are different ways that they can modify behavior, their own behavior, and we want employers to realize that they can institute a different kind of commute culture uh, when, they, when they think about air quality and the importance of providing cleaner air for everybody. Let's do a quick poll for Joe. Those of you here at Public Square who, who are listening in, if you did not come downtown today in a car, let's see a hand. Joe, is that as many people as you would like to see? <laughs> no, that's probably what I would expect. Well, we and we like definitely would like to see more. So. Yeah. <laughs> You'd like to see more. Definitely like to see more. Okay. Ivanka, in, in the communities, you, you serve a specific community. Do you see that same kind of thing going on? People who could take other opportunities and not, and you, you talked about the buses already, but are there opportunities that we aren't taking advantage of? So I think that um, having that voice, like making sure that people know that there is a call line, you know, I know, but to, to make sure that the community understands that they do have a voice, that they can call around complaints. I think the other thing that we have to talk about when we talk about air quality is we have to talk about the fact that we have so much growth and development in Cleveland, but with that growth and development comes that tearing down. And so when you're tearing down old buildings without using EPA standards, without using wetted standards, um, you are spreading dust and, and, and particles throughout those communities. And so we're looking at a three mile radius on a day when it's not breezy, but on a day when it's breezy, we're talking about more than three miles. And so we have a lot of schools that have been torn down in our communities. Those schools had lead in those schools and those schools were, when they were torn down, um, if they did not follow wetted standards, as in one of the schools that's directly across from me, when they started tearing it down, that I had to actually complain to the city um, and I called the EPA because they built a brand new school right behind the school that they were tearing down. And children were going in there every day. And so that means that all of that matter, all of that dust was going into those buildings where those children are going in to learn. It is going in invading their learning center and learning space. So as a resident, when I walk out to my car and I touch my car and there is all of this dust all over my car, the first thing I think about is what happens when people um, have chronic illnesses? What can this cause in the long term for young people? 
Um, and so we have to make sure, and I've watched them tear down lots and lots of other places in Cleveland and not follow any of the EPA wetted standards. And so for us, I think as a community, we have to be willing, if we're riding down the street and we see that something is being torn down and we don't see a water hose, that we need to complain and make sure that that is happening. Because if it's not, then all of those toxins are going to go out into our community. Thank you. Christina, when an air quality alert is issued for Northeast Ohio, what's that really mean? We get this warning for children and for people with lung diseases to stay inside, to be careful. What's that really telling us about our air? So we actually just had an air quality alert yesterday, and yesterday was an ozone action day. So what that meant was that ozone, ground, ground level ozone, there's two things to always remember, up high ozone is good, down below it's bad. Um, so ground level ozone was really high yesterday. Um, part of that had to do with some of the weather. When you get these really, really hot days um, and sunny days, that allows the chemical action, reaction to occur and you get the ozone formation. But what is that telling you is that if you have a respiratory illness, you may have trouble, more trouble than normal that day. So you should modify your activities. Um, so that means like if you potentially should modify if you go out running that day. Um, you should think about even your air quality in your home. If you're able to, if you have access to air conditioning, stay indoors with the air conditioning. Now, if you're one of the fortunate ones that do not have respiratory illnesses, you can still be impacted by it. Everybody's going to respond differently. Um, but some of the things that you can do as an individual to not make the problem any worse is utilize these things like Joe was talking about in terms of public transportation options and not using your vehicles. Um, vehicles are a major contributor to the formation of the ozone. So if you can help by not doing anything that um, using your personal vehicles or mowing your lawn or even fueling your gas. If you do need to refill your gas tank, try to do it in the late evening hours and not while the sun is up. Mm -hmm. Rick, also, I would like to add that NOACA is the agency that actually issues air quality advisories for the region. And we do have a constant contact email distribution list. If anybody in the audience or anybody who listens to this wants to be put on that list so they receive direct information about an air quality advisory as soon as we issue it, you can call NOACA at 216-241-2414 and they will put you in touch with me. You will be on that list and you can receive notification. Those advisories are also posted on airnow.gov and you can also sign up for EnviroFlash so you can get instantaneous messaging through your telephone. We'll make sure we get all these numbers that have been mentioned up on the uh, City Club website as well. We'll get to questions in just a second. But yeah, we want to have those numbers up. Because most of us, we get that information when Betsy Kling or Mark Johnson tells us, don't mow the grass today. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a good explanation as to why that's so important. Um, do, obviously, you stay in touch with the local media. That's the best way, really, to get the message out there, Joe, that these are days we need to be most careful. Yes, but NOACA continues to work on, on communicating that message even more to the public. We know that there are groups that Ivanka talked about that are, that are not getting the message as quickly or as readily as we would like. And part of our new air quality public education and outreach strategy in which I've worked with all the people on the panel to develop uh, for NOACA is to, to help get the message out to audiences that historically have maybe been underrepresented and underserved. We want to address that. We also have developed a stronger partnership with the National Weather Service, which is another resource that people use to get weather information. Historically, uh, air quality alerts were not actually posted on the National Weather Service website, not considered part of their 
uh, alert page where you get other warnings about severe thunderstorms, tornadoes. That is now happening, so that's a good thing. And we also have a relationship with the Ohio Department of Transportation. So uh, if, you, if we do issue an air quality advisory for the next day, we always issue them the day preceding an anticipated exceedance, uh, we have different messaging set up so that the day before, uh, messages will be posted that an air quality advisory is going to be in effect for tomorrow and that you should rethink your commuting habits. And then the day of, we have messages about what you can do on the day of the air quality advisory, like when you mow your lawn, don't refuel your car, et cetera. And time of day. We're, we're going to get to questions in just a second. Just hold on there. Um, Ivanka, there are many agencies that aren't represented here today and they're just as important. What are some of the places that people need to say, okay, this is important for me to know my air, you know, not just in the community. Are there others out there that are doing the work you're doing that are helping in the fight? Um, well, definitely the Sierra Club, um, you know, is involved and they've been doing work for a long time. So I'm involved with the Sierra Club. We also have like the, the Ohio Healthy Homes Network. We have some branches here. I'm on the board of the Ohio Healthy Homes Network. We have other organizations um, that are in the community, but they're not like community-based organizations. So my organization is a organization that is based in the community. Um, and so we have other organizations that kind of look at some of the things that are going on in the community, but they don't necessarily aren't right there in the epicenter of the community. Okay. It's halftime. Let's take a short break. We are today enjoying the third forum in this year's For the Love of Cleveland series. Joining me on stage, Ivanka Hall, Executive Director for the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition. Diane Howard, a community activist and a resident of Ohio City. Joe McDonald is Manager of Environmental Planning at NOACA. And Christina Yoka is the Chief of Air Pollution Outreach at the Cleveland Department of Public Health. We're about to begin the audience Q&A. We welcome questions from everyone, even if you're not presently joining us in the square. If you're watching via Facebook Live, for instance, pose a question in the comments section. We'll get to that. Similarly, if you'd like to tweet a question, please tweet it at the City Club using the hashtag LoveCLE. In both instances, our staff will try to work it into the program. We'll try and remind you, we'd like to remind you, your questions should be brief and to the point. Holding the microphone today, City Club intern Sophia Brewer-Thompson, may we have the first question, please. Hi, good afternoon. This has been a really great panel. Thank you so much. I have two questions. One is, can somebody speak to um, anti-idling efforts and what we might be able to do around that? And also, I'm curious about all the fires that happened in California and out west and around this country and how that might have had an impact on air quality. Joe, the anti-idling, I'll, I'll throw that at you. Uh, Okay, well, I can tell you that there are communities, there are a handful of communities in Northeast Ohio that have anti-idling ordinances. We wish there were more. Uh, we at NOACA are definitely against idling. One initiative that we've undertaken because we know that there is uh, a high propensity to idle uh, around school buildings, uh, school buses, parents who are picking up and dropping off their kids tend to create higher concentrations of fine particulate matter and ground level ozone in the vicinity of their running vehicles. Studies uh, out of Cincinnati have shown uh, that there have been uh, effective campaigns to decrease idling and that they have actually lowered air quality, uh, lower, lowered pollutant concentrations around schools. Uh, one thing that NOACA is doing is through our Ohio Commute platform, we are now piloting what we call school pool. Uh, that is an effort for uh, families who may be able to walk to kids, they may be, their kids may be able to walk to school to actually group together for safety purposes. 
Uh, it's happening uh, in Lorain County, in the city of, of Lorain. There's a charter school and there's also a public school district where we're going to pilot this effort and they can connect through Ohio Commute. And so instead of having to drive their kids to school or being in a position where a parent may not have ready access to a private vehicle, that they can organize their children to walk together uh, with a leader, and, and that's what we call the school pool. So that's an effort that NOAC is undertaking. I can also speak to the second question. Uh, when we do have fires, in, and they primarily occur in the western parts of North America, you can get transport across the continent that does have an effect on especially fine particulate matter. Hasn't been a huge issue for us, but it can be. So we definitely monitor that, and when, when I look at guidance from the different models and the discussions uh, from Sonoma Tech, they do a lot of the other metropolitan regions in Ohio, uh, as well as the EPA and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, that is something I take into consideration when I issue an air quality forecast for our region. So absolutely, yes. Christina, did you want to weigh in? Anything for the city on this? Um, the only additional thing that I'll add to that in terms of the anti-idling, it is, um, there is a City of Cleveland anti-idling ordinance. There are certain exemptions to that based off of the type of vehicle, like if it's an emergency vehicle. Um, and there is also exemptions that relate to um, extreme heat and extreme cold. But there is a City of Cleveland anti-idling ordinance. Not many people are aware of that. Um, the second thing that I'd like to add is that not only is it an ordinance, it's against City of Cleveland personnel policy for City of Cleveland employees to idle. So always keep that in mind. If you see one of us, you can tell on us, um, because it is against a personnel policy and it's against city ordinances. What's the better thing to do? Knock on the window of the car and say, hey, don't do that, or call City Hall? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to advocate an individual going up to a running car, um, but you can contact our public safety department. They're responsible for enforcing that. Okay, thanks. Next question. Yeah, I uh, mentioned this to a couple of you beforehand, but um, what types of collaborations do you have with other cities and other countries in order, order to learn and to progress in the areas you talk about? Nobody jumped on that. I can start. No, I can, I can start. Is this, are you still on? Okay. Uh, so one thing that we've done through our Ohio Commute platform, the way that was even organized was uh, there had never before been, or at least there hadn't been for a long time, a unified transportation demand management approach. But the rideshare agencies across the entire state of Ohio, and there are I think six or seven of us, Columbus, Youngstown, Toledo, Cincinnati, Dayton, ourselves, Akron, we all agreed that it would be better if we had a collaborative platform through which people could log trips, plan trips without having to drive alone and create a statewide network. Uh, because the reality is, is that in our daily lives, a lot of us are traveling in and out of the region on a regular basis and we wanted people to have that choice. We've also partnered and looked at uh, cities across the United States uh, who are grappling with some of these same issues. Denver's a great example, Seattle, Washington. We've looked at Pittsburgh and Atlanta to see what they're doing. And there is a national forum, uh, actually international forum, that our vendor, Ride Amigos, has set up where we can actually learn from one another and share ideas uh, and can come up with solutions that we think could be helpful uh, to the people in Northeast Ohio. So absolutely, there's partnership across cities and even internationally. The, the microphone for questions is right there. Do you have another one? No, no I'm, I'm talking to the lady with the microphone. Go ahead. Um, so we're going to take a question from Twitter. So um, do you see renewables and electric vehicles in the solution-seeking conversation surrounding poor air quality? 
No, I, I can speak again. Okay. <laughs> Joe's uh, gonna be our star today. Yeah. We a we absolutely think that the solutions have to be multifaceted. There is no one silver bullet that's going to solve this or really any other environmental problem that we face in Northeast Ohio. Uh, we we think that. Having electric vehicles on the road, having more fuel-efficient vehicles has certainly made a difference. That in and of itself is not going to be enough, but we welcome that uh, as, a, as a contributor to improving air quality in Northeast Ohio, and NOACA supports that. Again, it's about choice. It's about giving people as many options as possible so that they can determine what solution works best for them and make an informed decision about how they can have a positive effect on the environmental health of our region. I think what's also important is when you look at other places within Northeast Ohio that have looked at their transportation needs, look, the Lorraine County was definitely like one of the reasons why that school, the pooling um, thing was so important there is because they, they lack public transportation. So a lot of the employers there are, are complaining because they have jobs that are available, but the community can't get there because there are no transportation avenues that are available to them. So I think that we have to, as a region, um, basically sit down and talk about how we can make this region better um, for the underserved communities. Because if you have a job that, you know, an employer that has jobs available, but does not have a way for people to get to those jobs, then those are issues that impact overall disparities and impact our health disparities. And so we have to, as a region, sit down and talk about the things that we can do so that our environmental footprint isn't so large. Um, and if we're doing those things as a grouping, um, it makes it even better because we can learn from each other what works in those areas that don't ha maybe have the resources that Cleveland has. Yeah, we've done Sound of Ideas programs talking about the various counties each having their own transportation system. I know the Transportation Authority would love to see some of those units combined. Every county doesn't need its own RTA in many instances, and that would solve some of the problems you're talking about that Lorraine is facing now. So that's something else that we as a region can look forward to maybe making a difference in our own carbon footprint. Yes. Uh, so as it was mentioned earlier in the panel discussion, we've know, we know that the concentrations of criteria air pollutants have fallen considerably. US EPA says they're down 73% nationwide since the Clean Air Act was passed in, the, in 1970. Uh, but one issue that was mentioned earlier that we haven't really touched upon is the role of climate change. The Union of Concerned Scientists released a study today that said historically the number of days in Cuyahoga County with a heat index of 90 plus was about seven per year. And by the end of the century, we could see that increase 11-fold to 77 per year. How will, that in, how will that affect our ability to continue to see these declining concentrations and pollution levels? Christina, you want to grab that? Sure. I'll start with a couple of things. Is that, um, oh, is it? So yes, cl climate change is a concern. And it is expected to exasperate a lot of the symptoms that we're seeing in terms of the, the, the um, poor impacts that we're having on the community. Um, thank you. That's better. <laughs> um, one of the things that we talked a lot about today is the formation of ozone and how ozone impacts individuals. Um, and with climate change, with more um, days that exceed that 90 degree temperature, um, we're expecting or will likely see increased ozone formation. 
And if we have increased ozone formation, then our communities are going to be impacted by that. And then you take on additional problems, such as the um, longer growing seasons. So those that might have environmental allergies, that have um, are sensitive to pollen and other um, types of allergens in, this, in the community, they're going to have a longer season that they're impacted by that. The other point to make about how it's going to impact the community is that in these lower income communities that might not necessarily have access to air condition or might already have a poor housing stock that they're impacted by their indoor air quality, um, it's going to be very difficult for them to um, be resilient against the impacts of climate change. So climate change is expected, or they're looking at the potential to increase the formation of ozone. Um, particulate matter could also potentially be impacted. Ivanka, I know you wanted to follow that. So I think that that's why it is so important for us to, to focus on our education of our community now. Um, because I remember when, we first, when I first started doing health disparities work 25 years ago, they would always say, you know, this will be the first generation that doesn't live as long as their parents. But they didn't tell us that it was us. All right? And so what we need to say is climate change is happening now and that we have to make sure that we're educating our young people um, because the carbon footprint that they leave is going to impact them in the long term. And so the long term is now. So we have to be able to make the changes, the concerted effort to look at our transportation industries um, around carpooling. So if we're, if 82% of the people in Cleveland are riding in a car and it's just one person, then that needs to be something that we need to make alerts about and let people know that we need you um, to drive with more people in your car or we need you to catch the bus or we need you to ride your bicycle because if we do not do these things now, if we do not take these steps and measures now, then there will not be a later on. So I think that that is, you know, that education of the community is going to be something that is very important. And so we have to look at how our marketing pieces are, are being handled now and they have to talk about the reality of what's going on today. Is it difficult to get a message like that out when you're talking to people in lower income neighborhoods who say, I live in a food desert, I don't have an RTA line. Don't talk to me about carbon footprints. I think that if people, I think that if the community knew, I think one of the parts is that the community doesn't know. And I think that when communities are knowledgeable about the issues, even poor communities, um, if poor communities are knowledgeable about the issues that are impacting them, that they'll make a better concerted effort in order for them to address those issues. My, my grandparents did it. You know, we all had gardens growing up, you know, and it was important for us to have our own, you know, it was like farm to table for me was then. You know, so when they talk about farm to table, I'm like, oh, that's not new for my family. We had everything but the word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that's, um, those things are important because I think that if the community knows, if, the, if poor and underserved communities are well informed, um, and educated on the issues that are impacting them, they will make the changes. Diane, let's bring you back to this conversation. Is that something when you're going to various CMHA housing areas, are people worried about carbon footprints? Are they worried about more down-to-earth budgetary issues? They are really worried about more down-to-earth budget issues, especially air quality, dumping. That's part of air quality. Transportation. Uh, that's part of air quality, because we do need transportation. But do you hear conversations like, let's fix the carbon footprint when you talk to folks? Not really. All I hear, what is the solution? 
because I am in a lot of organizations. I am in poverty now. I am with Span Ohio. I am with Noble. Noble is Northern Ohio, Ohio's budget legislators for equality. So we, does, we do fight for all issues, um, especially I can't leave it in poverty out either because they did, when I brought a solution to the table, they did help me also on getting information, going back and forth to the Columbus, talking to state legislators and state reps on air pollution in our community. But what I do as a community activist, been an activist for many years, fighting for human social justice. Fannie Lewis was my mentor when I was growing up. Miss her, but she taught me. But as far as the activists, I go out and get to educate my community, especially if my community don't know about transportation. So when I'm in these organizations and bring it to my, my community, then they learn more. Like climate change, a lot of ones in my community, what is climate change? So if you don't have a leader in your community to educate your community, stand up, speak out on issues for your community, we all go, well, in public housing, the organization said in poverty, now we're trying to get out of poverty. Our slogan is fight poverty, not the poor. So when I go into all the public housings, or usually I'm speaking on, you have to stand up and speak out for your community and yourself, because you live there. Thank you. I think that a lot of it is in the language. So the, the fact is the community does not know the language of the organizations. Right. So we have to speak in a language to make sure that the community understands it on their level. And what happens is when organizations go into the community to talk, they're here. And so, and that's where they stay. And so all of the terms that they're throwing out, the community, they don't understand those terms, but they understand transportation. They understand that their children have asthma. They understand that the air quality is not good. So if you say, you know, the air is not, is not good, like there, there are some other things that are going on. If we explain things in a language and create um, information in a language um, that the community can understand, then we will definitely change the things that are going on because the community may not have the words. They may not have those words but they understand what's going on with their community. Because urban, suburban, and rural are very different areas, and we're all sharing that air. Mm -hmm. yep. Next question, please. We have a question from Twitter. What's the status of a city or countrywide network of bike lanes, which would reduce air pollution from autos? That's a good question. Yeah, I was going to say, Joe, we, we have talked bike lanes before, but um, that is something that does come up frequently and would make a major contribution to getting cars down. I think many of us are familiar with the towpath trail, which actually connects regions in Ohio, connects the Nowaka region with the uh, metropolitan Akron area. And but even, it doesn't get people to work. Uh, well, uh, actually, there are. I actually know a couple of people who use uh, the towpath to get to work. Um, but you're right. Uh, that that's that's not as as effective. Although I, the question was about interstate trail systems. I know that there's a trail network uh, that's extending from the East Coast to the Great Lakes region, uh, coming from Washington D.C. and up the Potomac uh, Valley. 
going towards Pittsburgh and it eventually plans to connect to the towpath. In terms of getting people to work, uh, one project that NOACA recently embarked on, and, they, and they're actually starting to implement it now, uh, different communities are implementing it, was the Eastside Greenways project. And that looked at how could we could prioritize corridors for better bike and pedestrian transportation. And I'll give an example. One of those corridors, and I know RTA has been very interested in that corridor also, is Warrensville Center Road. And Warrensville Center Road connects several communities on the east side, going up to the northeast part of the city of Cleveland and the city of Euclid, and all the way down through uh, Richmond Heights, University, University Heights, uh, Shaker Heights, Warrensville Heights, and down towards uh, North Randall. And individual communities, because of the planning being done, are now applying for grants to actually build this trail that will provide a, a parallel path for people who want to bike and walk up and down Warrensville Center Road to connect to the different jobs that are coming to that corridor, including the Amazon Distribution Center at the South End in North Randall, the new Van Aken District in Shaker Heights, which is also the terminus of the Blue Line RTA they, They've talked about a median strip on Warrensville. Would that be where the bikes would go? No, this is actually going to be parallel. It's actually off-road, so it's what they call a separated pathway. Um, but there is a midway project happening on Superior Avenue in the city. Um, so there are different corridor uh, development projects that, that NOACA's board has funded that are designed to help people get out of their cars and, and, get, and have a, a, a chance to ride their bikes, uh, to get through the city, to get up and down corridors, to get to the jobs that are moving to these areas. The, the questioner didn't toss it in, but is this a 2020 thing or a 2025 thing? No, this is happening now. This is but happening to now. get widespread use. Are we looking down the line? Well, I mean, the the, the funding that comes through the different rounds uh, through TLCI, for example, these are for projects that are going to be funded over the next five years, uh, that are actually going to be built over the next five years. But construction on some of these projects is already underway. Thank you. I've lost you. There you are. <laughs> Hi, uh, Brant Silvers from Spry Healthcare. Thank you to all our panelists today. Uh, you've all had a bunch of really great ideas and changes that we can make in our personal lives. But as we wrap up, I was wondering if we'd each go down the line and give us one takeaway of a change that we can make in our lives today to uh, affect some of this uh, larger change and, and uh, hopefully make the world a better place. Not a bad idea. I'll start with Ivanka on the end. We, we still may have time after that, but yeah, let's, let's do a takeaway. So I think for me, it would be you know, to go back to what the basics are, to make sure that we're educating the community around the issues that matter most. Um, and that, you know, like we have bike lanes in, in, in our area, but a lot of people aren't used to them being there, and so they're still trying to use them as car lanes. And so I think that the education piece is um, vitally important to our community. I think, I think, is this still on? Okay. I think for NOACA, Ivanka hit on something really important, and that is the idea uh, about having the right language when you communicate with different groups, especially who haven't been at the table before. And if we, if we want our public education and outreach strategy to be truly effective, we need to engage uh, different groups and, and learn from them as much as we're trying to teach them about what they need and how are the best ways to communicate the issues at hand. Uh, I know we've worked a little bit with you. I look forward to working more with you and your organization. But that's really critical because I think People may think of NOACA as very lofty, it's regional, it's multi-county, but the reality is, is that we, we're seeking regional cohesion and we want everyone to have the same opportunities, the same quality of life, you know, whether you're in Elyria or whether you're in Menor or in the city of Cleveland 
or going south to Broadview, Broadview Heights. We, we want to engage those different groups and we want to make a difference in those communities. And, and, and I think the language is critical so that we can get on the same page in terms of the concept because I agree with Ivanka, we are all dealing with these same problems but we, we might talk about them differently and we want to bring down those barriers. Christina? I'm going to build on what, hello? Okay. I'm going to build on what Joe said regarding community engagement and involvement. Um, we want to hear from you when you have an air quality complaint. And again, that phone number is 216-664-7442. But we also want to hear from you throughout the year when there isn't an immediate concern. I want to hear from you about what are your general air quality concerns. What are the things that may not necessarily be on our radar that are of importance to you that would help improve your quality of life in your community? And then at that point, we can try to deploy the resources that we currently have available to us, or we can look at building new resources to address those concerns. Diane Howard, you were preaching to the crowd last time. What do you want to leave them with? I'm going to leave them with this. We need more community leaders in each community to speak out on every Every transportation, air quality, climate change, get your street clubs involved. Or get your, if you're in organizations, keep getting them, um, bring it to the table. Speak out on it, stand up on it, fight for it. Thank you. Good. Next question. Hi. Um, for those, I mean, we've talked about a lot of transportation strategies, but for those who are interested in biking to work initiatives and that, are there community organizations that offer free education, or can you speak upon those resources? If someone's interested, they just don't know where to start, because I think a lot of people might be interested in the biking to work, but there's a lot of different bike laws that come with it, and obviously ensuring your safety on the road. So. I bet you could all answer that, but go ahead. <laughs> NOACA, please contact NOACA, or people should contact NOACA. Again, our number is 216-241-2414. And we have numerous staff working on different aspects of bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure improvement that can direct you to sources. I know Bike Cleveland is a great resource. There's a Refugees for, for Bikes program uh, to help encourage people who are maybe new to this country and need transportation. But yeah, likely exactly. Um, who have uh, there are there are programs out there, and, and WACA is happy to help connect people to the programs that are best suited for them to get them on bikes. There are other. There's the bike co-op in the city of Cleveland. There there are ways to get access to free or or extremely low-cost bicycles uh, that can really facilitate your mobility within the city and get and get and get to the whole region rather and get to. Uh, the things that matter to you most, whether it's work, whether it's recreation, school, etc. Um, I was just given a bike map for those of you who have interest. There is a bike map over at the table there. It's available. Gentlemen holding them up now, which would certainly help us all to understand where the bike lanes are going in, where the bike lanes are in, where we can best utilize them, whether it's getting to work or getting to play. And those are produced by NOACA, and we, we I oh, think... Oh, so there's a subset here. We cover the whole region, and we have them for Cuyahoga, Lorraine, Medina. I think we're working on Geauga County uh, and also Lake County, and we're happy. They're free. We're happy to mm -hmm. distribute to, uh, to whoever wants them, so yes. It actually says free right on the front. It's not for resale, okay? <laughs> um, then the last thing, you had mentioned some numbers at the city as well that people could make use of, uh, other agencies that they want to talk to. Anything else you need to bring up from the city of Cleveland? 
Um, the one thing that we didn't mention in terms of resources um, is first the Mayor's Action Center. So for any complaint that you have um, that is not being addressed, you can always call the Mayor's Action Center. Say you know that there's a problem and um, you just don't know who you should research, then contact them and they will refer to the correct department. The second thing that I just wanted to mention is that we've talked a little bit today about our transportation, well, a lot about transportation, some about renewable energy. We've talked about greenhouse gases. Um, the city of Cleveland does also have a climate action plan, and there are some pretty aggressive goals that have been established in the Cleveland Climate Action Plan. And there are studies that suggest that when you're addressing greenhouse gas emissions, that is also going to improve local air quality. Um, so that's just something that I want to reference to, that if you want to know what the city is doing about climate change, that's a really good resource to take a look at. Thank you. Today at the City Club, we've been enjoying the third forum in our For the Love of Cleveland series, a conversation on how climate change is affecting our air quality. Presenting sponsor of today's forum is the Northeast Ohio Sewer District. Our supporting sponsor is PNC. Additional support for the series provided by the Good Community Foundation and RPM Inc. We appreciate your generous support in the For the Love of Cleveland series. Join us Tuesday, July 23rd for the final forum in the For the Love of Cleveland series. We'll be discussing the city's quest to reach 100% renewable energy. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Ms. Hall, Ms. Howard, Mr. McDonald, Ms. Yoka, and thank you, friends and members of the City Club. This forum is now adjourned. <laughs> <laughs>